0: From Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today. This is the Trojans Wired podcast.
1: Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hest.
0: Trojans Wired podcast, a production of uh, the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. Uh, We have a very special guest today. On this very momentous day, USC hired Lincoln Riley. Mike Bone didn't just hit a home run, he hit a grand slam. It wasn't just a grand slam. It was a 500 foot moonshot in the World Series. It's that big. And we have a a guest worthy of the occasion, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, the Wilner Hotline. Uh, the best in the business, covering the Pac-12. He joins us for a, for a short show, carving out a little time in what is a very busy day for him. Apparently, Washington is going to hire Kalen DeBoer, so we know that John has a million different things to do. He's giving us a, a little bit of his time. So, John, thanks for joining us. And the obvious first question is, just what does this mean for USC and the Pac-12? You wrote about it uh, at the San Jose Mercury News, so just to unflesh what you wrote in that column and just your your sense of of how the game is different in
1: the Pac-12? Well, well, I think you could make the case this is the biggest coaching hire in the Pac-12, I mean, in memory, really. Uh, How often is a, you know, the equivalent of a five-star recruit coming at the coaching level, coming west? You know, Chris Peterson was a huge deal, right, Hall of Fame coach, but he's going from Boise Uh, He doesn't have a stack of playoffs and Heismans like Lincoln Riley does. I I think it's, it's momentous. And, and maybe the biggest thing it does, which isn't really tangible is it just gives the conference a buzz. It create you know, it's a high profile coaching hire. If you think about the current coaching lineup, if you think about the players in the conference, right, there's no star power, right? There's no Heisman finalists. There's no number one picks. There's no elite quarterbacks. It gives a Pac-12 star power, which it hasn't had. It gives it energy and attention, and it's all focused on the blue blood football program, the f- football program that would ha- that has the easiest recruiting path to getting into the playoff. So it's if it's a perfect match for the conference.
0: So. the The follow-up there in terms of uh, changing things for the Pac-12 and obviously raising the standard, we're seeing Pac-12 South programs make what, in my mind, are very questionable decisions, like ASU and Michael Crow not cleaning house, not firing AD Ray Anderson and head coach Herm Edwards. We're seeing UCLA stand pat with with Chip Kelly. I mean, USC fans are happy Chip Kelly is staying, kind of like UCLA fans were happy to play stayed State as long as he did before Mike Bone finally fired him. And then you also made the point that, you know, if Utah beats Oregon, makes the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl might be Kyle Whittingham's last game. Do you think that Lincoln Riley's hire changes the thought process for any of those Pac-12 South schools now looking up at Lincoln Riley? I don't
1: think so. I think it's too late. You know, uh, UCLA, 8-4, and I think they're pretty much committed to Chip Kelly um, ASU's already announced Herm Edwards is coming back. So they're, they're stuck. I mean, unless the NCAA investigation makes the situation untenable in the next six, nine months, uh, Herm's going to be coaching there. Certainly, if you're looking at which programs are most affected, uh, adversely affected, UCLA and ASU are top of mind, right? Because there's been a window uh, where the South was, was gettable. And Utah filled that void, not UCLA or ASU. Uh, so it does, you know, it seem, it would seem to change the dynamics. We don't know how it's going to work out ultimately, right? And it probably is going to take Riley a couple of seasons to get that roster, you know, fully loaded to to win the conference and make him run at the playoff. Uh, he's got a lot of work to do, especially on the offensive line. But certainly – uh, you can see that endgame now, whereas you couldn't see it before.
0: Okay. Something that our fans, are, uh, USC fans in particular, are, are really going to be interested in, John, uh, after Lincoln Riley got hired, is just the internal chess playing uh, with Mike Bone and how he lined this all up. Because most of us in the business felt on Saturday morning that it was Matt Campbell, not necessarily done deal, but like that was the target, USC closing in very realistic chance of that happening. And no one was really ahead of this story. You know, Bruce Feldman floated out the rumor late Sunday morning, but he, but he couched it in a very specific way. He said, USC might quote, take a swing unquote. That's not the same as closing in Lincoln Riley likely to sign serious candidate. It wasn't quite like that. There was really nothing until the news broke that USC had actually hired him. So any any new sense of, of how this went down and and what you think that might mean, if anything, in terms of, you know, college sports administration, in terms of the coaching profession, any any takeaways you have from how Mike Bone got this deal done? Well, look, I mean, they did a great job, right? I mean, they were
1: decisive. It was the anti USC for the last 20 years with with regards to coaches. Right. I mean, uh, you know, it's like that uh, Seinfeld episode where George Costanza does the opposite, right? They, they did the opposite of what their predecessors have done at U, in the USC administration. They were decisive. They got rid of Clay Helton. They lined everything up. They had all those months to do their vetting, do their research, get their you know, finances in order and figure it out. I don't know for sure that the, you know, Mike Bohm woke up on Saturday morning thinking he was going to get Lincoln Riley. I don't even know if he woke up on Sunday morning thinking that uh, I, but they kept, it was radio silence from them for three months. There was a lot of rumors. I don't know how much of it was true. Um, they may have thought that Matt Campbell was going to be the guy. I don't know. And then all of a sudden Riley through his agent might have made it known. He was interested in leaving. what well, well, it was, it was certainly, Uh, interesting when, when Riley said after the game Saturday, I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU. Did he know at that point that he was going to USC or had he not even started to walk down that path? I mean, these things can happen quick and it's very possible that it really came together overnight, Saturday night, Sunday morning.
0: Now, one obvious plot point everyone's talking about is, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley avoiding the SEC. One interesting parallel, you know, and especially you you live and work in the Bay Area, the parallel with Kevin Durant leaving the Oklahoma City Thunder to go to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, th- th- I think it's just an amazing parallel where, you know, Durant was obviously going to be the big fish with the Warriors, the path to winning a title, much less difficult, really a strong parallel with Lincoln Riley. And so a lot of people are thinking, well, he ducked the SEC. He sees the path to the playoff in the Pac-12. There's that rationale for why Lincoln Riley made this move. There's also the rationale that there was a lot of administrative and internal scrutiny at Oklahoma, and Lincoln Riley was chafing under the the strain of, of facing that scrutiny departmentally. And then, you know, we had Carol Folt, president of USC, erroneously tweeting that the season was over right after the BYU game. Now. My my initial reaction to that amateur hour move, but some people are saying, and they call you know, may, am I a conspiracy theorist here, John? That she kind of felt, oh, okay, that game's done. Lincoln Riley, he's coming in. Like, did Carol Fulton know that when she made that you know tweet, thinking that you know, the, briefly that the season was over, forgetting about the Berkeley game next week? How do you weigh the the SEC angle versus the internal angle at Oklahoma in terms of why? Lincoln Riley went out to Los Angeles.
1: You know, I don't know enough about what's going on internally in Norman to really have have any insight into that situation. Uh, I do think that the, the narrative that, you know, he is, uh, he doesn't want to deal with trying to win, get win the national title through the sec. uh, And there's an easier path through the pac 12. Yeah, that's true. But that's, that's why USC is a better job. And, And coaches leave jobs for better jobs all the time, and the competition is a big reason for that. So I mean, to me, it's it's not really any different than than half the coaches who make changes, right? You want a better chance to win a a title, so so yeah, that obviously the SEC is tougher. I don't I don't hold that against him. Coaches do that kind of thing all the time.
0: Well, John, I wanted to jump in on that because you know the, the the decision is between OU that is going to the SEC eventually in a couple of years, LSU that's also in the SEC. But how much of Bedlam like, led to all of this happening? Just you, you had mentioned, I don't think that they went to bed on Saturday night thinking that this might have happened. How much of what happened in that fourth quarter of Bedlam led to all of this? I don't have the
1: slightest idea how much of it. I, I don't know if he went into that Bedlam knowing he was leaving and he just didn't know where uh i don't know how much of his mind changed after that game i i honestly don't know
0: all right john you know another obvious point of, of widespread interest about the PAC 12 is after a game changing move like this does, does this change mario cristobal's thought process about anything he's doing in eugene because he was a, obviously able to recruit heavily and well in S- southern california with clay helton failing to lock down that region now that plan that part of his recruiting strategy is undercut and i know that Cristobal looks and thinks nationally in terms of what he does you know joe moorhead might, might go to akron uh, as head coach meaning that he has to fill another offensive coordinator he's Cristobal thinks nationally in terms of uh you know filling out his coaching staff but nevertheless uh rec- his recruiting strategy in the pac-12 might be undercut if miami fires manny diaz does the miami job which you know never really seemed like a a likelihood to begin with, but does that become a little bit more likely if Miami makes the move at Mario Cristobal? I mean, it
1: might, it might. Uh, I, I I do wonder how much impact that Utah game had on him too, right? I mean, they had a they had a great chance to get to the playoff and they got blitzed, and you know, does that did that cause him to think? at all about the likelihood of getting to the playoff in Eugene. I don't know. Uh, does the Lincoln Riley uh, hire make him think, boy, recruiting L.A. is going to be a lot tougher. I need to leave Oregon. I don't know. Uh, I'm sure he realizes, <clears throat> excuse me, that it's going to get tougher. Um, and, and you know, let's not forget, Lincoln Riley is going to recruit nationally too, right? So, uh, but I think what it does is, you know, it's going to, there's a, you know, there's that top tier of prospects in Southern California that are now more likely to stay either at USC or other places. Right. I mean, they look, those players look at, at their peers and they, they take their cue from their peers. If somebody sees that a player is staying at USC and having success then they're more likely to stay to go to USC or to stay out west. Right, the appeal of going to the SEC or the ACC is diminished uh, if USC can start getting a couple of those those top prospects in LA. And I don't know that Cristobal is is shaking in his boots. He's probably not, but it certainly seems like his challenge uh, has gotten a lot more difficult. And it's also gotten more difficult for for UCLA and for Arizona State especially.
0: All right. You know, we're obviously getting news on Lincoln Riley's staff. Uh, It could be nearly his whole staff, but obviously among staffers, defensive coordinator is paramount for Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch is coming over. Now we know him well in the PAC 12, since he was Mike Leach's defensive coordinator at Washington state. How significant do you think it is John that Alex Grinch is the defensive coordinator? Do you think that this is as good as it gets for USC? you think there were other better uh options on the table um obviously knows the pac-12 landscape well how just assess that particular piece of this puzzle
1: you know i think think that that's a really good hire for sc it makes all kinds of sense for riley to want continuity with his staff and he's getting the guy you know i don't remember how, how many years grinch was in pullman you know three or four so he's getting somebody who, who knows the recruiting landscape out West and in the Pacific Northwest, ex- especially. Uh, I don't know if he considered anybody else. I mean, given, given how quickly this whole thing developed, it tells me that he didn't exactly sit around mulling, you know, other candidates. Uh, and I think that it makes a lot of sense to bring Alex Grinch and that that's, if you're a USC fan, you're probably pretty
0: happy about that. All right. Final question, John, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, you know, you you talked about this, you wrote about this all summer, Pac-12 media rights negotiations and how big the USC coaching hire uh, was going to have, you know, and how, how important it was before Clay Young got fired, you know, for USC to become great. So now that USC is in a position to become great again, uh, just what what's the, your basic summary of you know what this means for Pac-12 football media rights and conference revenues, uh, all those related subjects?
1: Well, I mean, if you're Commissioner George Klichkov, you're and you're going into negotiations with Fox, ESPN, I don't know, Amazon, Turner, CBS, whoever. You know, a year from now, it certainly helps having Lincoln Riley, one of the biggest stars in college coaching, uh, at your blue blood program. You know, that is. I don't know that, what kind of uh, modeling they'll do to try to convince the networks that they should get more money because Lincoln Riley's at USC, but I'm sure it's going to be a big part of their pitch. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And that's, I mean, they need, they needed their, you know, you look media rights these days is based on big events. What do you get? How many, you know, TV games, how many games can the PAC 12 produce that are going to draw 5 million viewers or 7 million viewers. Right. And, and now there's a lot better chance that USC games are going to draw big numbers in the future because they're going to be a good team and they're going to have prime matchups. And they will help the Pac-12's, you know, overall pitch to the networks uh, because they've got a premium product, right? I mean, no, nobody's going to pay for, you know, Arizona against Colorado. You pay for USC against Oregon or USC against Notre Dame or USC against UCLA. And those games are all a good chance they're all going to be. Much more valuable now, and I'm sure that the Pac-12 will will use that <clears throat> as part of its negotiation.
0: All right, John. We know your time is precious. Thanks so much for giving uh, 15 minutes out of your day, John Wilner. He's the Wilner Hotline on Twitter, the best in the business covering the Pac-12. John, thanks for joining us on Trojans Wired. Thanks for having me.